Good morning, church. As you probably already know from my many times reading, I am Thomas Brooks. Do you believe Jesus can do really big things through small beginnings, like a tiny person such as myself introducing a big thing today, like today's study of God's word? The kingdom of God starts small and grows large through the yes of faith in Jesus, inviting everyone into the expansive work of God's redemptive restoration. Please join me in reading as we prepare our hearts to worship through studying God's word. Read Luke 13, 18 through 30. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed it in his garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like heaven, leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was leavened. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards, toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out, and people will come from east and west, and from north and south, and recline at the at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. And the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Thanks, Thomas. Good job, as usual, my friend. <laughs> Big, explosive things come in tiny packages. Tell me uh, if you guys are ready to continue to encounter God, are you? That was about as convincing as if I were to ask you if you're excited about a dental appointment this week. No offense to my dentist. I'll get some emails, too, actually. Are you, are you ready to continue to encounter the living God through his word this morning? Yes. Here's the thing about encountering God. When people do, they're never the same. So if you think we can come in here, open our hearts before the word of God, and ask the spirit of God to speak and leave here the same, you're fooling yourself. When we encounter God and hear his voice, the Spirit of God transforms us more into the image of God, whereby we can be more faithful and fruitful in serving for the glory of God. That's why we worship God by listening to his word. Jake Carter, good to have you here, buddy. All of our college folks that are in town, Lena, everybody else, I'll stop saying names. We're just glad to have you back with our family. 
we're going to look at this passage today and the nature of the kingdom. Now, how many of you all have ever heard of a guy named Ron Wayne? Have you heard of Ron Wayne? Table for one up here. Let me ask you another question. Are you ready? How many of you all have ever heard of Apple Computer? All right, I'm one or two of you. Ron Wayne partnered with two Steves in 1976 to start Apple Computer. He was the third person. And after 12 years, Ron Wayne decided to make, he made a decision based on what he could see and based on his understanding. He was of the conviction that personal computers would never take off. So based on his understanding, Ron Wayne sold his percentage of Apple for $800. Today, Ron Wayne is still alive. He lives in Las Vegas where he gambles. And what he sold in 1988 for $800 would be worth more than $20 million today. You don't believe me? Feel free to look it up on Wikipedia. True story. You know what else is true? That a lot of Christians make the same mistake. That we live by faith in what we see in our own understanding. We don't trust with God in all of our heart. And we sell our shares of the kingdom for what could be considered profitable. Hey, at least I get $800 out of this. And we miss the riches and the vast millions and billions that Jesus wants us to experience through expansion and participation in his kingdom and kingdom capital. We stop saying yes in faith. And so when Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, we see this uh, in verse 20, he's on his way to Jerusalem. This journey started for him in chapter 9, verse 52. Uh, he's finished with uh, this section in Luke where there's a lot of confrontation and conflict with religious leaders. He spends this next section all the way from chapter 13, all the way through chapter 19, where we end with familiar faces like Zacchaeus and familiar parables, such as the parable of the talents and stewarding that, he spends this time talking about the nature of the kingdom. And today he, he illuminates our hearts in ways that are difficult for us to comprehend as Texans, first and foremost, as Western materialists, secondarily, okay, and just third as humans in general. First, he talks about the kingdom of God starting in really, really small ways. Now as Texans, Help me finish this sentence. Texans like everything bigger. Everything's bigger in Texas. So immediately we know this is countercultural for us. But even more than that, it's not just that God takes small things and make them, makes it vastly fruitful, but he takes small openings. And he introduces us and welcomes us into vast expansion of new creation. Eventually, the new heavens and the new earth come through the small doorway of Jesus himself. And as Westerners who are materialists, we love a culture of abundance a lot. Can we just widen the top of the funnel as much as possible? Can we just be as enlightened as we can be? I mean, is there really only one way? Jesus alone? One door? Come on! So it's straining against the culture that we're swimming in. And the third thing that we see is that the kingdom of God, it celebrates and includes people who are normally marginalized, overlooked, 
and poor. And, and please receive this with the respect that I have. For privileged people like us, we're not comfortable with the marginalized, the overlooked, the unwanted. I mean, surely, surely the, the 2 a.m. phone calls, not for people like me. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is actually held in that overlooked, forgotten child or neighbor or coworker. And so the teaching of Jesus is going to be running against the grain of the normal contour of the culture that we're very comfortable with and, and fit into. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, I think you're going to be excited about the riches of the kingdom that God wants you to steward. He gives you freedom by his grace to stop selling short because of your own understanding. I don't know if personal computers are going to catch on. I don't know if this whole kingdom of Jesus thing is really going to work out. <laughs> but it is. And it's worth far more than what Ron Wayne gave up in selling his shares. So let's pray together. We're going to sprint through the word today. My son asked me on the way up here. He looked at the clock. He looked at me. He said, Dad, are you going to preach as long as normal? <laughs> I just looked at him and smiled. I was like, maybe, right? <laughs> So we're going to run through this text together, but we can't do it without the Spirit's help. So let's ask for his mercy. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we ask that you would free us with the power of the gospel from our own self-righteousness, our own slavery, our own blindness, that you would give us eyes to see, you'd give us ears to hear, you'd give us hearts to receive. Lord, we do not want to simply be inspired. We want to be transformed to be made more like you. And so we ask for your work to do that in our hearts, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so the first thing we see is that the kingdom of God has really small beginnings, uh, but fruitful endings. And, and Jesus gives this explanation. The kingdom of God is like a, a man who sows a mustard seed, the tiny of mustard se seeds in his garden, and this tree grows up, and it becomes a, just a huge tree. And the branches, this is dripping with Old Testament imagery, the branches are filled with nesting birds from all over. The second thing, the kingdom of like is like a woman. A man participates, a woman participates, and, and she's illustrated by using leaven in dough. And if you saw the passage in verse 18 or 19, you see that the leaven is hidden in the dough, and then the woman actually hides the leaven. I don't know if that's normal with bread, like out of sight, out of mind, but the point is that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God starts small, and it grows into something vast and huge. That it begin, it's begun by putting in something that's out of sight, and it does work almost as if it's out of mind until it's ready. This is how the kingdom of God works. And we can trace the story of the seed of promise of hope in the gospel that comes beginning of Genesis 3.15 and finds its fullness and uh, fruitfulness in, in Jesus and his work and whereby his work on the cross, birds uh, of the air and people from every tribe, tongue, and nation can come and take refuge and find feeding and shade. That's the point. And we see in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that eventually that seed of the gospel that is Jesus Christ and his word and his work, it eventually is sent out to the ends of the earth. And that's brought to fullness in Ro uh, Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 7. We see around the throne of the Lamb is people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So 
it's clear that these small beginnings have this vast global universal consequences. It's an invitation. But what's important for us is the small beginnings in our heart. Because if you're encountering the living God and you want to take him up on the invitation to experience the more than tens of billions, the hundreds of millions and billions of dollars, uh, kingdom capital that can be experienced when we say yes to kingdom participation, when we say yes to discovering our gifts, developing them and deploying them, then you need to know that that starts small. If you're to hear Jennifer's full story, you ask her, how did you get to be up here in front of a church, in fact, in front of many churches, standing before churches in San Antonio saying, we want to end the foster crisis in the next three years? Did you have some grand vision? Did you take like Moses and take a sabbatical up to, up to a mountain in Colorado and just pray for a vision and come back down and tell us? No, it started with something small. It started with a yes of obedience. Jennifer saw an article on the newspaper or TV newspaper back in the day. I don't know who reads newspapers anymore. So this was a while ago. All right. Some people still do. No offense. Here's the deal. She saw the need of the foster crisis. She was a mom. She saw children hurting. She saw the church as God's solution the true religion's caring for widow and orphan. And she said, yes, no grand vision, a simple yes. A, a touch of the spirit, a simple yes, a small seed. And what happened? Then after you said yes, then did you get the whole vision? No. She started walking step by step. Yes, Jesus, I'll follow. Yes, spirit, I'll obey. Yes, Lord, I'm open to the kingdom millions and billions of currency that you want to steward through my life and my love when I say yes to you, eternal investments, eternal rewards. She just started saying yes. And somehow this mom is now helping the church be a mustard tree where the branches that are held out by the arms of our Savior can be an arm of hope and refuge for children that don't have homes. This grand vision that turns out happens to be Jesus's all started by a small yes from a woman who's not perfect. Wow. The kingdom of God's like a mustard seed. It's like leaven that goes into bread and starts to rise, doing things that she never thought. Did you ever think you'd be at this place? Never. That's what happens when you say yes to Jesus. He will do what Paul says in Ephesians 3 is beyond what can be measured and comprehended. Stop playing it safe. So when we see how the kingdom of God works, it starts small and it grows into something vast and fruitful with its endings. We can also celebrate the reality that it is a narrow door, a narrow hello that says, welcome to a vast world of restoration and renewal and new creation. The kingdom of God, this is our next point, not only has small beginnings, but it also has, we passed that QR code that we wanted everybody to sign up for. We'll hit that at the end. It has a narrow doorway leading to vast expanses, this new heavens and the new earth. And it's super interesting. We don't have time to unpack all of this, but this man comes up to Jesus and he really asks this question that Reformed Christians love. How many people are going to be saved? Because <laughs> it forces us into the heart of God's sovereignty, of God's grace, of the Father's good pleasure. 
And what does Jesus do? He completely redirects it. He doesn't answer the question. He says, what about you? Are you seeking the narrow door? And when we follow Jesus' argument, some people get nervous because Jesus says, hey, you know, you're going to say, we ate with you. We drank with you. We worshiped with you. And the master of the house will say, get away from me. I never knew you. That this relationship with the Lord, who is the Lord of the door, it happens. This, this is how we get in. Jesus is the master of the house, that by grace alone, our hearts are moved to have faith alone in the work of Christ. We don't keep a religious scoreboard whereby we point to all of our good works and say, see, isn't that enough? We don't participate in the foster and adopt ministry or anything else God's put on your heart in what we do because we feel like we're getting points. We do it because we've been orphans that have been welcomed home in the family of our God and we're responding to God's love. Relationship is what gets us in and it is religion and self-righteousness that keeps us out. Hell is real. And people that don't have a living relationship with Jesus will spend eternity where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But as much as hell is real, according to Jesus in the Bible, how much more is our hope real in the person and work of Jesus? Because he lets us in to this new creation life that is participation in eternal realities, knowing that one day everything that is sad will become untrue. Everything that is broken will be made whole. Everything that is lost by the Father will be found and come home to his love. Every child will have a safe place. And every person will have no more tears, no more mourning, no more death, because the old order will be passed away. This small doorway of Jesus is an infinite invitation to people to have participation in God's work of redemptive restoration. And that is a one-day reality that will be fully consummated when Christ returns that we can have an already participation with through saying yes to Jesus, to saying yes to the small stirring of the Spirit, to say yes to discover our gifts or to open our wallets or our homes, to say yes to opening our calendar or our, our arms, to say yes to the Spirit's moving through Christ, that small door. There is a vast world that is renewed, new heavens and a new earth. And it's, like, it's really like the wardrobe in C.S. Lewis's Narnia. There's only one way to get there. And when you go in with childlike faith, you experience a, an amazing, amazing life with Aslan. Third thing is this. Let's keep moving. The third thing is this, that Jesus' kingdom is a priority for outsiders, the least, and the lost. Uh, do you see how this passage ends? Um, I know we haven't jumped back into the text without me quoting it, uh, but I want you to look at this. Jesus says this, people will come from east and west, from north and south, to recline at the table of the kingdom of God. And behold, some that are last who will be first, some that are first 
they will be last. Notice the infinite invitation of that. It is people from east and south, from north and west. It is everyone, everywhere who Jesus invites. Not, you heard Ben in our liturgy, this isn't some religious club. You've got to have the right answers or pay your dues to be a part of. In fact, if you heard Tom share a few weeks ago, he said multiple times, he reminded us that the church is the only institution in the world that exists for the benefit of those who aren't members. That's the whole reason we exist. So this infinite invitation has an intimate participation. We come and eat at the tables of the king with the Lord. And so that's why it's important that we participate in places. Think about our city. All the people and places that are lost are the 2.5 million. If we really exist for them, then there is some way that our yes to Jesus participates in that. It could be through the foster and adopt. It could be through all the church planting that we're partnering in and prayer. It could be through one of our mission organizations. It could be, should be through your workplace, through your school, uh, through your neighborhoods. All of our neighbors should see the light and know the love of Jesus through our life, our labor, and our lips. But that infinite invitation is combined with the intimate invitation to come recline at the table of the king. And it gives us this, it leads us to these inverted expectations. It's going to be different than you think. And I'm going to close with this illustration. Are you ready? So this week, uh, we had a youth group, not from our church, come visit the KRL, the Kingdom Restoration Lab, which is one of my favorite places in the world. It's just right over there under the sanctuary. Um, And believe it or not, yes, other youth groups are coming to check out what God is doing through our church. How cool is that? Not even Presbyterian. And I'm down there, uh, and I'm, I'm hanging out in there talking with one of our partners, and this youth group comes in, and I know the youth leader, and uh, he, I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, like, let, let me tell you what God has been doing. And the head youth leader goes, hey, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but we really want to hear from Chris. <laughs> I was like, Chris? Yeah, good, me too. You should hear from Chris. Yeah, he's a lot better than I am. Chris is the guy whose family was on the streets, who through our partner, S.A. Hope, had his life totally turned around, saved by grace, comes to Christ, and now he really sees his role as the front door of the KRL as a street preacher offering the love of Christ. They wanted to hear his story. So maybe after Chris, you want to hear from me, right? Well, actually, uh, we really want to hear from Carolyn. You know, Carolyn's family was hit by human trafficking, and now her organization is working with human trafficking. Like, can you step out of your pride for a second, Mitchell? We really want to hear from folks that are normally overlooked. That's the kingdom of God. And and we could go on. We could talk about Ben Brooks. Ben used to sleep in front of our sign. He was a homeless man. Our brick sign out there across from the uh, convenience store, you know what he's doing now? He's one of the head people with the ministry of Pay It Forward at Haven for Hope. This guy is redeemed and is a redeemer. He's restored and he is a restorer. He is Someone who was marginalized, overlooked, and forgotten. How many people did you drive by and not even look in the face of when you came in here today? Those are the people that God is raising up to be oaks of righteousness. Ben Brooks is Exhibit A. It's unbelievable. Lord, give us eyes to see 
And I could go on in detail. People who have been struggling in darkness with addiction of alcohol and sex that are stewarding that in their freedom to to be light. Those that were marginalized and forgotten. Those that were being choked out by their poor financial decisions that were been redeemed and restored and renewed in God's design through relationship with him and what it means to steward what he's entrusted to us are now being used again and again. I could tell you these stories of broken people that have made whole, lost people that have been found. People that have been crying with tears in their mourning have been used, redeemed, so that they could be comforters. That's the kingdom of God. It's this inverted implication whereby the very thing that we think is our enemy, our pain and our problems, is actually redeemed and restored for his purpose in the kingdom. Do you believe that God wants to do that in you? It's true. Here's the reality. Jesus didn't come and die as a good Jew having a bad day. He didn't come to make bad people nice or good people gooder. Jesus came to make dead people alive so that we can walk around in resurrection power and put on display what it means to have a foretaste of the eternal realities of the new heavens and new earth because we've been through the doorway of Jesus Christ. We've said yes to his spirit working and we're gonna keep saying yes even in the cycle, the ups and downs, we're gonna keep saying yes because we know this world is not our home and there will be a day as citizens of heaven where we will be ushered in with the saints, welcoming the king who returns with every tribe, every tongue, every nation with the intimate table of the king and he will say, welcome, I know you my child, thank you for partnering with me, that my kingdom would come and will be done in San Antonio as it is in heaven. Do you want those riches, church? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we believe, but would you help us with our unbelief? Lord, I know there's people in here that feel disqualified by their sin. They feel disqualified by their failures. And they need your grace to magnify in their hearts. Lord, I know that there's people that feel like saying yes to you is far too inconvenient. And I pray that your spirit would stir in our hearts. We don't want to be a people that sell our shares of the inheritance of the kingdom for our own understanding and sell ourselves short. Help us to be a people who lean not in our own understanding, But in all of our ways, we acknowledge you, trusting you'll make our path straight. Help us to trust in you with all of our hearts. Lord, we love you and thank you, and we pray for your mercy to this end in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen.